there's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Schmo Zone podcast, episode number 4040. Today's episode is brought to you by Fusion CBD Products. I love using CBD, and I love Fusion CBD products. They have some of the best stuff on the market. I love using their energy and focus, their sleep and recovery. They got some muscle and joint, like a turmeric and ginger root pill. Love this stuff. They're instant freeze. They're hydro drops. Mix that with the coffee. Yummy. Love this stuff. And of course, we'll be sipping on the Fusion CBD sports water, always after the post-workout. Go to Fusion CBD products.com. Use the promo code SHMO and get 20% off. Today's show is also also brought to you by Origin Labs. So as many of you guys know, right now I'm trying to train for the 2024 Olympic trials and I'm trying to give you guys a bit of behind the scenes and just what I take before I go train. I take this. It's so good. I love it. It's Jocko feel. It tastes really good, refreshing, and very clean. And also, it doesn't have that kind of weird, you know what I mean, aftertaste that some of the energy drinks have. So uh, if you want to check it out, try uh, originmain.com. Promo code Helen with one L for 10% off. This is really good. I promise you, you won't regret it. Clean products, made in America, love that stuff. Check it out. Let's start the show. Hello there, ladies and gents. Welcome back to the Schmo Zone podcast, episode 40. I'm Dave Schmolenson, a.k.a. The Schmo. Helen Yee, a.k.a. Helen Yee Sports. So make sure to keep your eyes on the game. I knew you had something <laughs> planned, so that's why I didn't say my co-host is. I knew you had some trick rolled up your sleeve, and of course you didn't disappoint. Here we are, episode 40. Yeah, and it was Mandarin, by the way, in case some of you guys are like, wait, what does she freaking say? She does so, an interview in Mandarin yesterday, so she's got it fresh on her mind. I yeah, understand. Feeling extra confident with that just because my parents watch my interview and they're like, okay, you know, you did pretty okay. And I filmed that interview and the translator for the UFC fighter. I don't, uh, you say her Yan name. Xiao Nan. Yan Xiaonan. Um, fighting Claudia Goodell. Fighting Claudia Goodell right here. UFC Vegas 12 fight mm-hmm. night, Saturday evening. Uh, he was impressed with your Chinese. He didn't need to translate. I think he was surprised you were going to be doing the interview in Chinese in the first place. Yeah. Well, when I first met them, kind of behind the scenes, they thought maybe I would do it in English. And actually, I don't even think he knew I was Chinese. He was like, oh, wow, because I said ni hao. And then he's like, oh, wow, you're you're Chinese. I was like, yeah, I know. I don't look it. I'm five feet ten. I know. I'm. It's so it's funny how many people come up to me 
or even you and are like, oh, you're Chinese. They don't realize. They just assume you're something else. I don't know if they think you're Filipino, Korean, Japanese. I've they, got it all. Hawaiian. Hawaiian for sure. Yeah, they're like, what? Like, you're so big. Like, I was always, I know, big head. You're, <laughs> you've been the tallest one in your class since like kindergarten, which is true. <laughs> Why are you laughing? I know, it's, you know, you brought up the big head <laughs> thing. Yeah, you could do have a big head, but it's a beautiful, good looking big head. Thank you. Today, we have a loaded show, by the way, a loaded show. We are going to be digitally joined by with one of the, baddest middleweights fighters in general in on the, the planet world, in yeah. the world bellator middleweight champion yes gay guard musasi the dream catcher he's joining us from the netherlands huge win off of douglas lima over at bellator to reclaim the bellator i guess it was vacant middleweight championship belt but this guy's just beaten everybody in his career everybody i know five uh turn pro in 2003 fought in pride strike force dream He's, Obviously, uh, UFC. You and know, all both. the promotions he's been in, too, he's been a champion. And it's a different weight classes, except for the UFC. Yeah. And we're going to get to this, too, when we bring him on the show. You know, he left UFC on the win streak. And he's beaten so many great guys in the UFC. If I go down the list, he's beaten Uriah Hall. Um, I think he beat Mark Hunt, but it wasn't yeah, in, it, dream. in Dream. And it wasn't even the UFC. But he's beaten so many. Because he beats Chris Weidman. Yeah, as well. Chris Weidman, Vitor Belfort. Oh, man. Tiago Santos, who's fighting this weekend. Yes, he beat Tiago Santos at UFC 200, I believe, who yes. is fighting Glover to share. He knocked him out first round. It's huge. So this guy's beating everybody. We're going to get his opinions and stuff. And then in studio, we have a treat. We have guys joining us from the other side of the world as well, the other side of the globe. City Kickboxing's uh, Auckland, New Zealand, Brad Quake, Riddell, and Carlos Olberg, who's headlining Dana White's Contender Series tomorrow evening, not Tuesday night, because I guess today's a big day. It's the election here in the United States. <laughs> kind of a big day. Kind yeah. of a big day, right? But he is headlining tomorrow's Dana White's Contender Series, a light heavyweight fighter. These guys are going to be joining us in studios, and obviously we all know who their teammate is, Israel Adesanya. And you did get that interview with him after the fights last weekend, after Anderson Silva's final fight or final UFC fight. And let's get to that real quick, too. I did interview Israel, and those guys were there watching us. We did it right outside the UFC Apex. It's so funny because on camera, Israel did not want to say all the news we all found out five minutes later during Dana White's <laughs> press conference that he would be fighting Jan Blahovich next at light heavyweight going up, going for that champ champ, double champ, champ square, as he call it, calls it, status. But he wouldn't say that on camera. He said it off camera. Mm -hmm. And it's funny because I was looking at his Instagram last night, or I guess I was looking at it this morning last night for him. He was just chilling, hanging out in the parking lot of Allegiant Stadium, Raider Stadium, just dreaming, visualizing that 2021 summer matchup, hopefully with crowds, who knows where the world will be, filling out that stadium. Maybe it's against John Bones Jones. Well, I was going to bring that up. Wasn't that, did you tell Dana or who was it that you said who could be headlining that first UFC fight in Raiders Stadium? 100%. And it makes so much more sense if they're going to do a stadium, the UFC, uh, to do the Raiders Stadium to be that first event that's not a professional football or college football. UNLV football is playing there, too. The first fight ever at Allegiant Stadium before going to Jerry Jones's Cowboy Stadium because they've already had boxing fights there. We've already seen... Some great fights there, too. Uh, didn't they just have Errol Spence, Errol Spence and Mikey Garcia? That, that fight was there. So they've done big combat sports events there, too. 
be the first one to headline Allegiant Stadium here in Las Vegas. Well, do you think it would be Israel versus John Jones? I mean, not trying to look ahead because Jan Blachowicz, that's a tough opponent. I think it, you can never look past the Polish yeah. power. I mean, obviously, Israel is going to have a huge speed advantage, mm-hmm. but all it's going to take is one shot, one piece that connects right there to the jaw, to the temple. Anywhere where he could connect, slow him down, will change the fight. And who knows if he can. But if he does, it can change everything. I think John Jones is going to have at least one fight at heavyweight, right? He's been showing all the deadlifts, the squats. Yeah. He's going to have to do one at least at heavyweight. I'm just wondering, when is he going to make that heavyweight debut? I think it, a lot's going to depend on what we see with Stipe Miocic and Francis Ngannou. When when that fight's going to be finalized. quarter, 2021, yeah. hopefully. Yeah, first quarter. Maybe it's March I don't think it's going to be sooner than March. At the latest, well, I think, Francis it would be April. Well, initially told you he was ready to fight next month. Yeah, he was ready to do the December pay-per-view card. Yeah. It was a 256, but obviously that's not happening. Real quick, though, I did want to say this, too, because obviously I got ripped on by a lot of Habib fans about what I said last week, and it's totally fine. I mean, everyone has their opinion. I respect everything. I said that Habib Nurmagomedov right now deserves to be the pound-for-pound pound best fighter in the world. He is, no questions asked. How he's dominating his opponents, no question about it. But the recency bias of claiming that he's the GOAT, that he's the greatest of all time, just surpassing everything John Jones has done with his resume, I said, no, not so fast. And Dana White... Said in the exact post same thing presser, in the post-fight yeah. post press conference. Almost so I just verbatim. Want to say, so it is what it is. And um, look, hey, Habib can still come back, right? 30 and 0 can make it happen. All right. Now we are being joined by one of the greatest MMA fighters on the planet. 47 career victories. Gegard Mousasi joining us from the Netherlands. How are you, man? I'm good. Thanks. Thanks for having me. We appreciate you coming on. Huge victory off of Douglas Lima. A Douglas Lima, as I know you've brought up in your post-fight press conference, in his prime, coming up, yeah. being the champ at welterweight, coming up to fight you at middleweight. Um, look, man, you fought so many great people. We previewed that earlier on in the show. Yeah. Where does he rank in the all-time list of all the fighters that you've gone up against? Uh, you know, I beat some guys, but maybe they were not in, the, in their prime. So uh, I would say the top three, you know, uh, I would I would rate him in the top three. If he's ra- rated in the top three, curious to know who is number two or number one? Well, I beat Jack Ray when he was uh, young, uh, when I beat him, uh, when I won the first time. Um, I think uh, Shemilenko... He's a tough guy. Yeah, I had a really a tough fight in that fight. So I would top, you know, there's so many guys, but uh, I would top, I would put them in the top three of uh, tough opponents. Excellent. Excellent. So look, uh, we also talked about this. It's when you left the UFC, it was the only organization you've ever been in where you haven't been a champion, where you've never held the gold strap and you left on a winning streak. And now we're seeing a lot of top UFC fighters like the Rory McDonald's, the Corey Anderson's, you know, they've left for Bellator and they've left not necessarily on a winning streak like you. But what does that have to say, though, about the top level and the top talent in an organization like Bellator, about a one champion? outside of the UFC well you know I think a lot of people uh, don't give other fighters uh, the credit that they deserve like before in, with Strikeforce 
uh, a lot of fighters thought UFC fighters would beat them, but once uh, Strikeforce fighters went to UFC, a lot of them became champion. Luke Rockhold, Daniel Cormier, uh, Alistair fought for the belt. You name them. You know, I think uh, they showed that the top level fighters. So uh, that's the same with Bellator. It just uh, because of there's no cro- uh, um, I say um, uh, mix of uh, fighters. You know, like Bellator fighters versus uh, UFC fighters. So uh, I don't think uh, no Chandler is gone there. So we just have to wait and see how how well he will do. You know, but uh, I wouldn't say uh, we're coming short on the top level fighters. You just said his name, Michael Chandler. He's coming over here to the UFC. Do you think right off the bat that uh, a big conversation I've heard through the airways is Michael Chandler deserving uh, automatically of a top five UFC welterweight? Um, do you think right away you want to see him fight a top guy, whether it's a Tony Ferguson or a Justin Gaethje? Well, I would have loved to see him against Khabib because uh, he's a good wrestler. He he strikes well. He scrambles. He's explosive. So uh, that would have been definitely a, a fun fight to watch. So uh, against Gaethje would have been too. You know, I think he's a, he's a guy that can fight anybody. And now we could still see it happen too because uh, Justin yeah. Gaethje... He said he's ready to fight in a few weeks. You know, if you're going to go out in a fight, you know, best be put to sleep rather than uh, be knocked out or TKO yeah. to put to sleep, you know? Yeah, I remember that. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I think maybe he needs his rest. But <laughs> For sure. Uh, of course, as a fighter, you want to stay busy. So, uh, yeah, I would, I would watch it. Well, you mentioned Habib. Were you surprised when he announced his retirement after his last fight? Yeah, I think uh, no one expected was expecting that. But, uh I know I, I'm hearing talks that he's coming back to make 30 and out. So, you know, uh, the guy's uh, an athlete. That's all he does. So uh, maybe after a year he will come back because it's difficult for uh, if you if fighting is all you know, you're not going to be suddenly a doctor. You know what I mean? So it's it's a little bit hard to say goodbye, especially if you're on top uh, after working your whole life to be on top. So. Uh, maybe we're going to see him again. I don't know. I hope so. Do you put him as, you know, maybe not your greatest of all time, or is he your greatest uh, MMA fighter of all time? I'm curious to get who, who your opinion on that conversation. Oh, he's definitely one of the greatest. You know, it's it's difficult to measure, you know. Uh, do you measure it with losses? Uh, do you measure it with championship fights, you know? Uh, do you measure it with scandals, you know? <laughs> but uh, I would say he's top three. Top three, at least, uh, yeah, for sure. You know, you, you can put him at one or number three, but he's definitely in, in there. So you've seen so many different fighters throughout your time. You know, you've been a professional fighter for multiple decades. You've seen so many different organizations. What would you say has kind of been the biggest evolution in MMA that you've seen in recent time? Well, you know, uh, when, the, when MMA began, let's say, you, first of all, the jiu-jitsu guys would win. Then the wrestlers came. The wrestlers were doing well because they were strong and they would do ground and pound. And now you see, and there was a time that stand-up fighters were doing well. But now everyone is complete, you know. So uh, I think that's, you have to be good at everywhere. And that's the difference what I'm seeing now. You see, there's not a real stand-up guy. It's not like you have Crow Cup or you have uh, Nogueira. You you know, everyone is a little bit uh, versatile, you know. So I think uh, nowadays everyone is complete. 
And you're also someone who's fought at multiple weight classes. And obviously your, your most recent opponent, he's gone up to fight you. We're seeing a lot now, too. I call this the champ champ era where fighters are going to looking for belts in two different weight classes and stuff of that nature. Overall, don't you think in your opinion, that is better for the sport, better for overall competition to see guys fighting in multiple weight classes, you know, over time? Uh, I think so. I think so. But it's just, um, I think McGregor started with it, uh, with double champ. And uh, everyone is doing it now, but it creates better uh, big fights. Uh, you know, I think the Douglas was a big fight. He didn't look small. <laughs> it was uh, the same size as me. So uh, it creates fun fights. Uh, I think for the fans is good. For the promotion is good. Um, so yeah, you know, uh, GSP versus Anderson. I think that was a fight everyone wanted to see. Anderson versus uh, John Jones. You know, so it creates a lot of nice exciting fight so uh, i think it's for the fans is good and uh, yeah that, that's the most important thing well israel he's talking about moving up and fighting jan blahovich for that light yeah. heavyweight title in the ufc how do you think he'll do moving up a weight class i think he will do well because uh, he's a very technical guy uh, you know when he fought costo costo I, I don't know if i pronounce his name well but uh, he thought that when you're a technical guy, when you're a guy like Mashida, where you're not, uh, you keep the distance well, uh, it's difficult to take you down. There's not a lot of grappling or clinching, a lot of wrestling. If you're technically well-sounded, you can go up and be success successful. You know what I mean? But uh, if you if you have it from your power, from your strength, and uh, uh, then moving up, it will be more difficult. So I, I think you can be successful also at light heavyweight. What about someone like you who's fought heavyweight, light heavyweight, middleweight? Another fighter, one in the UFC that comes to mind that's done that is Jared Cannonier, who's currently fighting in the middleweight division. Do you see yourself having a power advantage over other middleweights that you're going up against? No, you know, middleweight is my weight class. Uh, I fought Mark Hunt. Uh, I took him down. Uh, actually... It was controlling was a lot, a lot easier because it was so slow. <laughs> it was like a turtle was moving. So, and there was, you know, <laughs> once you take a guy like that down, it's it was easy to control. I, I could have kept him there maybe for 10 minutes because it was a 10-minute round. But uh, taking him down, that's the difficult part, you know. But uh, luckily, I was able to, uh, uh, how you say, uh, um, yeah, I, I took him down anyway. I don't know how, uh, the word for that. Uh, uh, so uh, trip him. I, I was, uh, I was able him. to trip him. Yeah, but if you if I go and grab his leg and I have to force it, yeah, then it's gonna be a hard time, you know. But uh, heavyweights are actually the worst division ever. You know, I mean the level of heavyweights are is terrible. Uh, they're not very versatile. They're you know usually there's a lot of power, but there's not a lot of technique. There's not they're they're slow. So heavyweight is the easiest division, I would say. The lighter you go, the more difficult it is. The more competition is, the more heavier you go, the less competition, the less they're good at. So uh, if I if I was able to put down that weight, heavyweight would have been a lot more easier division. So I think this is a pretty good question to, to end on then. It's yeah. what do you have left to prove in your career? Because you're hot right now, you're winning fights, you're looking great out there. What more do you have left to do in your career for you to feel satisfied? 
Well, you know, I lost one fight out of ten fights. Uh, I'm not slowing down. I didn't feel like uh, uh, I feel like I'm in my prime. My body still works. Uh, uh, so uh, eventually, I'm gonna move up to light heavyweight, fight for the belt, and if that's successful, if I win the light heavyweight belt, it's a dream. I don't know if uh, if it will ever happen, but maybe heavyweight belt. I, I would be open for that, but. Like I said, it's every step you have to take, uh, you have to be successful. So uh, now I'm back middleweight champion. Uh, they're, uh, they want to do a lightweight title fight, I think. Um, maybe defend it once, uh, maybe defend it twice, and then uh, go light heavyweight. And if I'm successful there, you know, I'm looking for something that's, that people are going to remind me of, let's say. You know, that would be an accomplishment, you know. So there's always goals. Uh, I would say I would I would be open for a boxing fight, you know, but I think uh, a fun boxing fight, you know, uh, you know, it's still things to do. There's always a, a challenge. There's always a challenge, you know. Uh, so I just wait and see. Well, who but, would uh, you? I'm I'm moving moving too forward, uh, <laughs> but those are just uh, thoughts, you know. Whatever happens, I have to see in my next fight. I have to keep winning. Well, two questions, um, because you mentioned the boxing. But before that, when, ideally for you, would you like to get back in there and defend your title? Well, as soon as possible. I think uh, I would love to fight uh, February, uh, January, but I think that's too soon. But uh, I have to, I'm going to rest a week or two, and then uh, we talk with Scott, and then hopefully defend it soon, and then uh, look at uh, light heavyweight uh, next year, maybe. And you also mentioned fun boxing fight. Who would you want to box? Like, who would, who <laughs> would be know. fun you for know. you? I think, uh, yeah, who would I like to fight? Uh, I don't know the names actually. Uh, I would, I would fight light heavyweight, I think. That's, I would, I, I looked up, but I don't know. Uh, they're working with Showtime. I'm open to anything. Uh, maybe a older fighter. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, maybe Evander Holyfield. No, just kidding. <laughs> Legacy well, fight. Well, they are having Mike Tyson. Yeah, they are having Mike Tyson, <laughs> and Roy Jones Jr. Jr. I guess, yeah. last question then, last question. Yeah. Now, we said that before. It's Would you then finish out, want to finish out your career? Because you talked about the light heavyweight belt, heavyweight belt in Bellator. Yeah. Yeah, the, you know, I signed the eight, eight fights contract. I'm not going to go anywhere. I'm not planning to go anywhere. And then, uh, so there's a lot of things I can achieve. Before I can go, uh, fun fights. Uh, and then it's retirement. I'm not going to go more than eight. That I can promise you. I, you know, <laughs> I'm not going to be 40 and fighting, you know. That's one thing for sure. We totally understand. Uh, we really appreciate your time. Thanks for hopping into the Schmozone podcast. Gegard Musasi, everybody. Thank, Thank you. you, guys. Thanks for having me. Of course. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. There he is. Wow. I didn't... I didn't expect the uh the whole uh, mark hunt thing to go down like that that's pretty funny <laughs> and even boxing boxing that's awesome. but he didn't have a name to call out i know well n next time when we do interview him uh, i will throw some names out at him and see what'll stick of course you know he didn't have anything negative to say about uh izzy you know, mm -hmm. only positive things to say yeah, about the champ. Fighter. Great fighter. And uh, on that note, I think it'd be a pretty good time to bring in our in-studio guest for today's show. Uh, we got Brad Quake Riddell and yeah. Carlos. Oost Juice. 
Oosterhuis, Oberg, fighting tomorrow night on Dana White's Contender Series. Normally Tuesday nights, but they're Wednesday. What's up, Brad? Got your seat right here. What's nice up? jersey. Nice jersey. Uh, right. It's good. I love it, man. Is it just you or is Carlos coming too? Uh, Carlos is just sort of resting. No Carlos today. Oh, it's okay. We hyped him up, but it's okay. We understand. He's got his fight tomorrow. I'll speak for him. That's. I figure that'd be good enough, man. Sounds much better. Yeah, is his uh, nickname Oost Juice or Mr. Marvelous? (laughs) Uh, He's got a few. Right right through this one. I think uh, Black Jag, Oost Juice, Mr. Marvelous, The Ladies' Night. Got a couple, yeah. Well, we're excited to finally see him, man. It yeah. feels like it was the end of September, right? It was the end of September. Izzy fought Costa, UFC 253. You guys had to go back and quarantine for 14 days, and then you guys came back here to Vegas? Yeah, so we had the um, we had the two weeks quarantine at home, and uh, we got out for about eight days, nine days. And then me, Izzy, and Carlos jumped back on another airplane. Came back here, and we've got the same gig on the way home. So another two weeks when we get back. But it's all good because it's for a greater cause. For the team. Yeah, man. For the team. He gave us two weeks. He gave us two weeks, you know. And he gave us more, to be honest. He gave us two weeks during our camp when we got locked down in our gym. And then he came here, and then he came to Abu Dhabi, and then he did the lockdown as well. So I think we're still in debt, even if we do this two weeks. Yeah, man. (laughs) Well, how is uh, he looking, and what are kind of the expectations for tomorrow for him headlining Dana White's Contender Series? Well, he looks great. Um, he's extremely focused, and he's extremely excited, which is, is always good. You know, he's uh, he's very confident, but the best thing about being really confident is he has the skill set to match that, which is really important. Some people get a little bit overconfident, and they let, let that get ahead of themselves. However, he's got, like, a good balance between the both. And... Um, you know, he's not super experienced in MMA. However, he's definitely definitely ready for this and definitely ready to come to the UFC. You know? When I interviewed as the schmo Israel outside of the, the fight night, Anderson Silva's last fight the other night, he mentioned how Carlos would get get him. He would be able to clip him in yeah. sparring and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, high expectations, you think, right? Yeah, yeah. Like if uh, someone like Israel, he's sort of like the lead horse. Um, skill-wise in our gym, you know, uh, you definitely can't deny that. And, yeah, I've, I've I've watched it myself. Carlos does tag him and does keep him honest. And um, he can definitely do that in the cage as well. Like his, his skills portray from the gym to the cage, which is also very hard. You know, that's a skill set in itself. It's very easy to do things in training sometimes compared to doing them in the fight. However, he has the ability to do that. So, yeah, man, I'm just as excited as you guys are. And... Yeah, you guys are sort of anticipating what's coming. I know what's coming, but I'm still excited. Yeah, he's got the the headline fight, mm-hmm. you know, um, tomorrow night, Wednesday night. Yeah. Let's talk about you, though, man. You're 3-0 and now in the UFC. I think you had 57 wins as a professional kickboxer prior yes. to your time in the UFC. Yep, that's like a, a clawed at record, me trying to find my fights. And, um, yeah, I had a little bit of experience going into it, so I was, I was pretty comfortable at fighting. Uh, before I got in the UFC, and uh, I'm getting more comfortable with that weight class in the UFC. My first time at 155 uh, was in the UFC, so it probably wasn't the right stage to do it on, like the the biggest show I think the UFC's ever had. But uh, yeah, man, I'm enjoying my time in there. I'm getting given some uh, pretty good tests, 
And luckily, I'm coming out on top. So, <laughs> I mean, we were there for the first one over oh, yeah. Melbourne. Yeah, oh, cool. against yeah, Jamie Malarkey. Yeah, I interviewed yeah, yeah. him recently too. Uh, he yeah. the other time the the Irish hooligan. You guys yeah. got uh, the fight of the night bonuses too. Yeah, we did. I um I remember chunks of that fight. I was uh pretty overwhelmed, um pretty tired, and uh, probably had a minor concussion as well. But um that was a pretty awesome fight, and I think. You know, all credit to Jamie as well. Like, we had a, a hell of a crack at each other. And, um, yeah, man. I hope he uh, gets in the winning column soon in the UFC as well. Yeah, he was exciting. Yeah, mm. that was, uh, you know. Did you see his last fight too? Yep, yep, I did watch. How, yeah. did, you, how did you score that fight, you know? Because obviously there's the takedowns, there's the striking, you know. Well, it, yeah, it's, it's hard, right? Because it, it's entirely dependent on the judges these days. Like, whatever the judge favors, I guess, which which way it's going to go. Um, there might be like a pro wrestling judge or a pro striking judge. Mm -hmm. So it's, yeah, man, like the, the sport keeps evolving. And yeah, man, like, <laughs> like that old saying, like don't leave it to the judges. But like that's uh, much easier said than done sometimes. Mm. Isn't it crazy to think though that a little over one year ago, your UFC debut in Australia, there were almost 60,000 fans, right? Yeah, that was uh, that was mental. Um, I've been to some big crowds before, maybe like ten thousand in China. Um, so that was that was overwhelming at the time, and I thought I'd be. I was like, ah, oh, nah, oh, sixty thousand. I've done some big crowds. I'll be I'll be cool. And then I, I was standing in that little tent before I walked out, and you sort of had to walk out a little bit to wait in that tent so I could see around. And I was like, oh shit, there's a lot of people here. And then sort of forgot about it, and um, it was quite electric electric fine work walking out because i played like acdc which is like their their home band and uh yeah the reception was pretty cool it's fascinating that a year later then we go to whether we're here at the apex mm. or where we're fighting at the, you're fighting in abu dhabi in that bubble there's literally like a handful of people there in attendance for sixty thousand yeah. a year yeah. later huge difference massive difference um Probably quite shocking if you haven't seen it before, right? If you just turned up and you've never fought like that and you sort of walk out and it's dead silent, you'd be like, oh, this is a bit weird. I was lucky enough to go with Alex beforehand. So I was like ready for what was coming. Um, but I think it maybe caught Alex a little bit off guard when he, for his first two rounds were a little bit of a slower start. Not taking anything away from Max. Max adjusted in that fight amazingly. Um, but yeah, I was, I was a little bit prepped for that, that silence. That sort of gladiator feel like it's very raw you can hear everything you know you can hear all the punches you can hear the guy breathing you can hear them like stepping on the cage like boom each step and yeah it's like it's quite it's quite buzzy mm. it's quite a unique experience do you prefer that though because i know sometimes some of the fighters they like that where they can hear their coaches and yeah. even the commentators um yeah well it's, it's different with the commentators because you can like, hear what they're saying and like sometimes you know those guys are really experienced so they'll be like oh he needs to do this and you would be like oh yeah thanks like I'll, I'll do that now and, but um i i like that i liked fighting in that dome in abu dhabi it was like very raw it was very primal you know um it's just you and your team there's no exterior factors hyping you up or giving you energy you have to re rely on like your inner your inner strength and your your mental fortitude so i enjoyed that that raw aspect of it and uh yeah, man, got another one, so that's cool. Yeah, I want to talk about your team, City Kickboxing. Obviously, one of the hottest gyms right now in MMA in the world. Your coach Eugene, um, I know he's not with you guys. Yep. He's coaching the junior? junior, junior, yeah, yeah, big junior, big boxing match coming up there. But 
with your team, you know, the old saying with MMA, you'd see a lot of the best fighters having wrestling backgrounds. You know, mm. if you look at Carlos, you look at you, you look at Izzy, you guys come from the boxing, the kickboxing backgrounds. And we're seeing in MMA too, it's like, look at the champions right now. Not a lot of them have that wrestling yeah. background. It's kind of like a changing of a guard. What would you say is kind of the tribute to that new trend in MMA that we're seeing now? Um... I've had I've thought about this before. I've, I've I've asked myself the same question, but um, I th I think personally, like people can agree with me or not, but whatever. Um, I feel like striking takes a very very long time to learn. Right, it's very dynamic. It's it's never ending. It's 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 extremely hard to. It takes a lot of time to get the the intricacies of it. Um, wrestling is the same, like a com complete form of wrestling. If you want to learn everything, however. You can master the ability of getting up in a relatively short time. So if you can get if you if you're strong and you master master the ability to always stand up, which doesn't sound that hard, but obviously it can be right if you come across someone like Khabib. But if you, that that's much easier to learn getting up than learning that huge broad spectrum of striking. So I think that's why we have an advantage because we've spent all this time striking and then we really only have to the to focus on a couple of things, which is getting up and then. When we get really good at getting up, we start to broaden our, our skill set and, and branch out in that grappling world. So I think this is why we're having some, some success at the moment. Probably just shot myself in the foot. but That's we'll okay. See. You just got a target on your back from a it's lot okay. of the other light yeah, yeah. weights. Interesting division right now, right? Yeah. Really yeah, hot yeah. With, well, first off, did you expect Habib to retire after his last fight? Um, No. You know, I thought he would maybe chase thirty, but you could kind of see his um his energy that week that he you kind of felt like he's like he was like, Yeah, I've I've got to the end of my my road, maybe mentally and I think he had a relatively hard weight card and you know, you never know, like his all those emotions could have built up and hit him at the end of that fight and um he might go away and rethink it and maybe chase that thirty and oh. But um you know, he was very, very close to his dad. And his dad was a huge part of his career. Um, so, yeah, he might, that might be it for him, which is, uh, you know, that man deserves it. That guy was a monster, one of the best that we've ever seen. And um, mm. so, as someone competing in that division, getting victories, climbing the ranks, how do you want to see this title picture play out? If there is a vacant title, if there is such a thing, who do you want to see fight for the top? We'll get to your teammate, Dan Hooker, in two seconds if we don't get to him right now. <laughs> Yeah, man. Um, like everyone keeps posting that top five, right? And it's a crazy picture to look at. There's just killers in there. Um, McGregor can get out of there. You know, that guy, is, I feel like he's had his chances and he's he's blown them. And I don't feel like he's a um, a good role model for the sport, to be honest. So um, I eliminate him from that picture. And those other five, I, like any of those versus each other, is an amazing fight. Like, I'm not going to... But don't you see because... Uh what he's done, I guess, for the sport in terms of eyeballs and viewership, yeah. he's going to get his 100%, opportunity. 100%. 100%. I agree with you. That's definitely going to happen. But that's just my opinion. I don't want it to happen. You know what I mean? Like, So let's say he is locked up with Poirier. What are the other fights to make? Where does Michael Chandler yeah. fit in this equation? Yeah, I feel like Chandler um, maybe should have a fight with someone in the top 21st and then get to have a crack at those those higher-ranked guys just just out of hierarchy. You know what I mean? Like, obviously, I respect his, everything he did and his promotion before that, and he's a, he definitely is worthy of that that 
top spot. But there's people that have been working and clawing their way up there. So they're they're ahead in the hierarchy. So if he can go through someone in the top 20 that's difficult and, and deal with them comfortably, then okay, yeah, cool. Jump in that top 10 or top 5. And your teammate, Dan Hooker, <laughs> he is ranked number 5. What do you think makes sense for him next? Uh, I, I won't speak for Dan because I know he's like a, he's a psychopath. You know, he uh, he's he'll be happy to fight anybody in that top five, and he loves wars. Um, I would love to see him fight Tony Ferguson. That'd be really cool. I think that'd be a pretty awesome gnarly fight. Um, but then I think he was yelling at um, at um, God, what's his name? I've forgotten his name right now. Frozen up. Is is he in the top five? Nah. Well, there's just a Charles, fought, he fought McGregor Charles last. No, 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 no. He fought McGregor last. Oh, I can't believe it. Diaz, Jesus. Oh, Nate. Sorry. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. I just had a complete mind blank. Sorry. No worries. Uh, he's been yelling at uh, Diaz on Twitter yep. and stuff like that. So I think that'd be a pretty cool fight too. You know, um, Dan can take a lot of punches and is extremely durable. So is Diaz. So that would be a that would be an awesome fight for the viewers. I brought up Charles Oliveira just because it was the the next name that was off the yeah. tip of my tongue. The guy's got like a seven fight winning streak going. Monster. He gets yeah. no respect. Yeah, I know it's crazy. I actually thought about that a uh, a while ago. I was like, man, I'd 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 like to fight that guy. That would really test your um your grappling, you know. And he definitely deserves yeah someone in that top five. Like he's unmistakably at that level. So put yeah. So your teammate Dan Hooker, same weight division, obviously. Mm. Uh, you go up against him a lot in practice. Yep. Um, is a scenario because you both of you guys have title aspirations. The scenario <laughs> of fighting him would only be with a gold strap on the line, I yeah. assume. Yeah, yeah, that would uh, be the scenario, and a nice big payday, and would uh, would have to have a chat about that with Eugene. I guess I'd probably leave that in his hands. I know for a fact he'd be more than happy to fight, and so would I. And um, you know, that could be inevitable. You never know. And there's like other guys that I'm friends with in that division as well that when I was teaching at um, Tiger Muay Thai, I had a lot of these guys come over and uh, train with me as well. So there's like a few friends that I'm probably going to bump into on the way to the top. Um, and that's cool. That's the nature of the business. Like I have no hard feelings. And, you know, I just look at it as a, as a test, right? So you just brought up two things that I want to get to. Let's start with Eugene. You know, mm. a lot of you guys, you refer, I know is, Israel said this a bunch of times, you know, I got to consult with Eugene, talked with Eugene. It seems like a lot of you guys put the trust in Eugene to make the matchups for your next, to, your career is kind of like in his, in his hands in a way, it, it seems yeah. to be. Yeah, uh, he definitely makes good decisions. Um, he, he always gives us a say. He always asks our opinion as well. Um. My my UFC matches have been a little bit different. They just got sent to me, and they were like, sign the contract, and I was like, cool. And so they, they kept sending me these killers. But um, we like to always ask for his advice, right? Because he's got our uh, best interests at heart, and he always has. So did that two-minute conversation between Dana White and Israel where they determined Jan Blachowicz would be next at light heavyweight, did Eugene see that coming? Did Eugene yeah, give Izzy um, his blessing? Yeah, 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 of course. Like, that was... um. I'm sure that was pre-planned. I'm not going to speak for Israel. Uh, I'm sure, like he had, Israel's always got huge visions, huge aspirations, and uh, I'm sure that was something that he wanted to happen prior to speaking to Dana. He probably walked in there and was like, "I want to fight Jan. Like, <laughs> I want the championship belt." Dana was like, "Great idea." 
has Instagram at 3 a.m. in the morning. He's in the parking lot of Allegiant Stadium. Yeah, we yeah, see the yeah. foreshadow a mile I away. Know. He wants to be the first fighter there. Yeah. The first combat sports event in Allegiant Stadium. 50,000, 60,000 people watching him. Is that Jan? Is it John Jones? Is uh, it right there? Yeah, man. It's definitely going to be one of them. I'd, I'd probably say it would be like John Jones. That would yeah. be my preference. Yeah. But uh, as he's been saying that since that, uh, that stadium started getting built, yep. he's like, I'm going to have a fight there. Every time we drove past, I was like, well, that's probably going to happen. I, I see what, that. Sorry, what about for you? Like, is there someone that you're targeting next? Um, I would like to fight uh, Alexander Hernandez. He just had a win. I called yeah. him out um, a while ago uh, after my Auckland fight when I fought Megamed. And then I got given Alex to Silva, which I'm not complaining about. That guy was a beast. That was a really fun fight, so too. It was a great fight. And, um, you know, so Alex, uh, I think he had two losses and maybe a win now. So I was like, oh, he's back in the winner's column. I think this would be a cool, a cool fight to uh, match me up with. Um, I heard Drew Doby yelling out for a striker a while ago, and I think he might have got rematched now. I think he got, didn't have a match. Someone fell through, and then he got one now. But uh, also fighting him would be really cool. Um, Drew's last victory was against Alex Hernandez, I believe, too. Yeah, yeah, that. yeah, it was, man. So that's why I think it makes sense to fight Alex first and then chase down Drew. And, uh, yeah, man, no reason, like, no no hard feelings, nothing like that. I just look at them, and I'm like, yeah, those guys would be cool to fight, so... The second point I was going to get to is uh, you talked about teaching at Tiger Muay Thai. Mm. Um, so I'm assuming there's been overlap with you there and someone like uh, Champ Peter Yan. Yeah, 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 yeah. I well. uh, spent a lot of time with Peter. Yeah, I figured that would be the case. He's got a big fight, title fight, defending yeah, for yeah. the first time against Aljamain Sterling. Would love to get your thoughts on that matchup. That will be an awesome fight. I actually just saw Aljamain at the PI on the way here, and um, yeah, I spent a lot of time with Peter. And I've watched a lot of Aljamain, and that's a very exciting fight. I'm going to go with Peter because he's my one of my day ones. But, um, yeah, man, both those guys are so skilled. I'll pick Peter. Obviously, he's a phenomenal striker. He has great wrestling, great wrestling defense. Aljamain looks strong as hell when he gets there and gets hold of you and he grapples. So it's going to be a, uh, a, very, a very exciting fight, man. It's definitely one of my next favorites coming up. You got that grappler background yeah, against yeah. that striking background. Yeah. And I know... Al Jermaine has been back and forth between Vegas and, and youth. New York. and Hungry youth, youth man. Yeah. Uh, you can't rule that out as well. Yeah, yeah. And another exciting fight next weekend, Islam against RDA. Yeah, yeah. I've uh, seen a lot of Islam at the PI this week. He's uh, been nodding his head to me. Um, that's a guy I'd like to bump into one day as well just because um, that the strength of like their grappling sort of like uh, fascinates me, right? Like him and Khabib and stuff like that. And it'll be like... I'm sort of like a bit obsessed with testing myself against people like that or against like phenomenal skill sets. I feel like his grappling's like one of those skill sets. And uh, yeah, I'd like to have a crack at him one day. And like I see that a lot of people don't seem to want to, which, uh, yeah, each to their own. But mm, I, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to pick uh, Islam for that one. Mm, I'm going to pick Islam for that one just via drowning. Going with the the grab, and then RDA is going back down to uh, that yeah, weight man. division. Yeah, and he's exactly. used to that one seventy. I mean, yeah. it'll be interesting to see him too. I mean, that fight was supposed to be over there in Abu Dhabi, but because yep. of the the COVID situation got pushed. Yeah, and like as you get a little bit older, those uh, lower weight cuts can get a little bit uh, stickier. You know, get a little bit more tired. So, I guess that's uh, working against RDA as well. But he has some crazy experience. Want to talk about Volkanovski now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about little Greek. 
Yeah, I mean, so obviously, Ortega, well, yeah, yeah, we're talking be, for the longest time. There was no clear person for him. You right. got Henry Cejudo calling him out, trying to do that whole C four thing, and <laughs> we haven't heard that recently after Brian Ortega's win. Yeah, um, does it seem like Ortega? Um, he's prepared mentally for Ortega to be that next opponent, or is there kind of a thought in his mind that, hey, mm-hmm. it could be somebody else? No, no, I think um, I think he said to me and he posted as well saying that he's got some direction now, right? Ortega, I think, is the one that he's lining up. Yep. Uh, I know Alex very well, and I know he's just keen for the hardest test, and I think he feels that that's Ortega at the moment. So, yeah, I'd assume that's the next fight. Like I'm saying, it's like a... Complete assumption. I haven't actually, he hasn't told me, so. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you have, you know, slept in the gym with him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah multiple yeah, nights, so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, good times. That's crazy. You know, it's uh, that the, the tight-knit, the bond community yeah. that you guys have. It's like a brotherhood, The right? brotherhood. Yes. Yes, it is. Uh, we do spend a lot of time with each other uh, prior to staying in the gym. And um, so it was pretty pretty normal staying in the gym with each other uh, I was at, I knew it was coming I knew it was coming because uh during the first lockdown when the first wave of covid came he was like get ready to bring your shit to the gym bring a mattress and I was like huh he's joking eh like but then uh the fight I was going to try jump on the same card as uh, Hooker and Poirier but then I got an injury and then again the covid came around and my phone rang and I was like I know what's coming eh? and I just pushed speaker and he's like pack your shit, get your mattress. He's like, you're going to be in the gym t- this afternoon. I was like, oh, cool. But then like heaps of people turned up and I was like, oh, this is pretty fun. That so pretty fun. you did bring a mattress. Oh yeah, we had to bring everything. Yeah, yeah. So we, I took my mattress off the spare bed, chucked it in the car, all my mates did to be honest. And then, yeah, man, turned up all my gear, all my training gear, cooking gear. Toothbrush. Everything, man. We lived there for two weeks. It was cool. We're, we thought we might be there for four days or something like that. And then, on the fourth day, they re-announced that they were like, extension, 12 days. And we're all like, ah, all good. Something behind the scenes that I'm sure a lot of our listeners don't know as well is that going over to UFC 253 where you and Izzy both fought, mm. you guys flew um, from your neck of the woods over here to Vegas. You stayed yeah. here for a few days and then went all the way back to Abu Dhabi. <sighs> so you had to adjust to two different time zones, two different time frames. Yeah. What the heck was that like, man? Because you had it had it worse than most people. Yeah, uh, I'm not. Uh, I won't, I'm not going to like upplay it. I, I don't think it was too bad. Um, you just like have like a pocket of melatonin on standby. Okay, try like do like a little bit of research ahead, like suss out the time zones, like try and mull it in with the flight, you know what I mean? Stay away, go to sleep when you're supposed to. Um, we got on schedule pretty good. Uh, I can't speak for Iz, you know, he's like up at 4am dancing in his room and stuff like that. Like he, I don't know if he slept or did sleep or not, but um, it wasn't too bad to be honest, man. And that flight to Abu Dhabi, you guys were on our same plane as us, right? Yeah. Like it's so long, you can sort of like suss out what your sleep patterns and stuff like that. And I mean, we flew pretty, uh, luxurious so i was pretty grateful for that so it was much easier to um to get ready it's nice to have that chartered plane we might yeah, not have been on the same yeah, on the one there. were we on the same yeah. one going there oh actually we yeah, were yeah, we yeah, on the yeah. same yeah. one going yeah. there and, and coming back yeah, yeah yeah and then we went back to abu dhabi oh did you yeah, we did yeah. to for the habib yeah, and the ortega yeah. right and then we came back here so we've been <laughs> back here for about a week and three days so it was much easier adjusting the right. second time than the first time yeah it wasn't wasn't bad. It's a cool place to stay, though. Eh? The one, oh, it was not the one. Sorry, the W. I thought it was like a really good setup over there. It's like all very safe. Like there's good food, plenty of space to train. Hundred percent. Yeah. 
like out of the situation in the world at the moment, I think like they've done the best that they could. Oh yeah, yeah we Definitely. stayed over at the Crown, but we're regardless, we're walking distance ten yeah. minutes, and mm-hmm. and I've said this a bunch of times, and Helen knows this too. It's literally the closest thing we have to normalcy prior to the pandemic being yeah. in that bubble. Yeah, yeah, it was awesome. Man. I had a great time. <laughs> but you haven't fought here in Las Vegas yet. Not yet. Eh? Is this, yet, eh? you know, a destination that yeah. you'd like to fight at? Yeah, I think that was um, uh, Sean Shelby's plan. Uh, but then I ended up in Abu Dhabi with Izzy and stuff. Um, so I'm assuming next one coming, unless Fight Island's still going, uh, I'll be here. Uh, I really want to try a gun and get onto that McGregor undercard. I think that'd be pretty cool. January 23rd. Yeah, man. That's yeah. a good date for me. We you know? still don't know exactly if it's going to be here in Vegas or if that might be the first one to kick off in Abu Dhabi. Oh, yeah. I'm not fast either way. I'm just keen to have a fight. And that's a really good time for me. Like I've had a bit of a break now. And then when I get back, do this two weeks, jump back into the gym, fight again into January, jump on Izzy's card again in March, you know, just planning out my life. <laughs> oh yeah. So oh, so Izzy's card in March. All right. Maybe, yeah, I think so. Maybe. Yeah, but, um, it sounds. I think that's what right. Jan was saying. Yeah. That that seems like it'd be the right one. <laughs> I think so, I saw that on his tweet or his Instagram or something like that. He was saying I'd like to fight yeah. Izzy in March. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it was. Yeah, I wasn't giving away a date there. No, no. I just words, have but... been off social media for uh, yeah. 24 hours because of this election here in the United oh, States. Yep, so yep, I, yep. Uh, I've actually been off of it. I haven't been paying attention to it. I figured this would be the best time. I'm just asking for that. Yeah. But I'm also curious to get your thoughts too because um, this has been blown out of proportion to to an extent. But obviously the cage here at the apex is slightly smaller by yep. five feet than the one over in Abu Dhabi, if that mm-hmm. makes any difference whatsoever to you guys. Uh, Yes, I think it would make a difference to some people, depending on the way you fight and the way you move. Um, smaller cage obviously favors um, wrestlers and stuff like that, and people that like the wall. We aren't so much on that team, so we like the we like the space to move, but uh, we can definitely adapt. Definitely help Curtis Blades against Volkov. Yeah, uh, oh, yeah. They, yeah. Definitely. yeah, just able to do all of that kind of stuff. So. Look, I guess we'll end the show on kind of just a couple of uh, quick predictions out of you, man. I mean, we, why not just have these? So Israel gets through Jan. If, if, if he gets through Jan. Win, win, win. John Jones is the next fight. Yeah, 100%, I reckon. Um, I mean, the only thing I could see happening maybe was maybe Whitaker snuck in between then. I don't know. I don't know what Izzy's um, plan is to when he wants to fight Jones. But um, yeah, man. It's crazy how Whitaker just got uh, pushed over like that. It's not like Whitaker said. We were at his post-fight press conference. Yeah. Like, you don't want to fight Izzy. He's like, look, yeah. I just want to have Christmas with my kids, and I'll be ready to go yeah. next year, beginning of next year. So he's just getting surpassed. What What about Whitaker going up to light heavyweight and fighting Izzy? Oh, yeah, he Izzy? said he wants to fight him there. Yeah, I'm sure he could. Yeah. Uh, he's a very thick, dense guy. I'm sure that's like uh, maybe somewhere he walks around, just like Israel does. Um, he... By his last two performances, uh, he has earned a title shot again. Uh, that's just uh, my opinion. But uh, if Israel's doing what uh, Izzy wants to do, which is fight Jan. If it, uh, I'm sure if he um, wants to fight Whitaker after that, he would. Uh, he might want to fight Jones after that. I'm not sure. It was whatever his uh, broader vision is, uh, is going to happen. Um, that's the, the benefit of earning the position that he's in. He's earned the right to choose. And it's not like people you can say he chooses uh, easier routes, chooses the hardest opponents that he can. And he must feel that Jan's the hardest opponent. And obviously being a champ champ is very appealing. 
100%. And, and I bring that up too with the Whitaker, thinking that that could be the possibility after Jan, depending on what happens with John Jones, because a lot's going to be dependent on if that Francis Ngannou Stipe fight happens in sure. March or yeah. Q1 or whatever, and what the timing would be and what happens next for Jones. Would so, that be on the same card? I don't, I'm sure it would not. I'm sure they would probably oh, yeah. split up the, the pay per views or. Who knows? It just depends on what's available here with a lockdown or not a lockdown and all that kind of stuff. But just depending on the, the timing situation, that's why I brought that up. Yep. Yep. I'm not sure, man. I'm just... That's okay. <laughs> yeah. That's okay. Um, any final message you want to get out to your fans? Uh, the Quake nickname, I'm sure that's got some great uh, backstory. Yep. That that does have a bit of a backstory. Just a Wrap it up quick. It was just my my city got hit a lot of earthquakes a few years back. Uh, Christchurch got pretty wrecked and pretty leveled by it. And uh, if it wasn't for those earthquakes, I don't think I would be in the position I am today. So I lost my job and I got moved to Auckland. And then from in Auckland, I discovered my kickboxing gym league are. And they really built me into a, a very, very good kickboxer and Muay Thai fighter. And then from there, I met Eugene. And then I went to Tiger. And I got introduced to MMA, and I went back to Auckland and got built into the UFC fighter I am. And so I guess the root of that is those earthquakes, because if those earthquakes didn't happen, I think I would have stayed in Christchurch and uh, kept doing what I was doing because I was enjoying that at the time, you know, and just life would have panned out a very different way. Well, if those quakes never happened, what would you have wanted to be? Um, I would have aspired to be what I am today, but I don't think I would have realized the amount of work it would have taken to get here. I think I would have, yeah, I don't think I would have uh, bumped into the people I did um, experience, see work ethics that I had to see to, to realize, you know, what I had to do to get to where I am. So I think um, my city's a very different city. It's like, a, you know, it's like a lot of trade work and stuff like that. And fighting's not very big down there. It's like a, it's a very, very small sport. Not a lot of MMA. There's a little bit. A little bit of kickboxing, but the the real fight scene is in Auckland, and I didn't like Auckland when I was in Christchurch. Right, we just, everyone just rode that city off as like ah, you know, Auckland sucks. So I don't think I would have ever ended up there. Maybe for like the odd local fight or two, but I don't think I would ever move there. New Zealand as a country as a whole is on our bucket list. Auckland yeah. being the city, oh, I yeah. assume you guys got to go. We yeah. will. I mean, we're yeah. just waiting for the world to, to become <laughs> yeah. more normal again where we can make Camper that happen. Camper van from the top to the bottom. It'll be a hell of an experience. Yeah. yeah. It's on the bucket yes. list. We'll make it happen. Well, we really appreciate you hopping on the Schmozone podcast. No, I appreciate Mr. you guys uh, having me on. I was uh, loving the other night when you interviewed Israel A and like I had to know about the persona. And then I was like, oh, shit. Wait, you didn't know? No, no. I knew, I knew who you were. But like I didn't know that um You never seen it no, like up close. No, no. What did you think? I loved it. I was <laughs> stood there smiling. I started videoing it and I was like, oh man, this is pretty cool. And then I was asking Jeff, I was like, is he like that on the podcast? And he's like, nah, he's, he's just his normal self on the podcast. I was like, ah, oh, cool. That's all good. <laughs> we'll 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 make it happen for the next fight. We'll do a schmo yeah. pro. Yeah, I we'll love it. it I love way. the outfit, everything. My uh my partner loves it too. Eh? She like loves the dress and everything like that. She's Man, she just thought it was awesome. Thank you, man. Just yeah. want to do something a little different to yeah, yeah. break up the monotony nah, of I loved the it, same shit. Cool as. Oh, this yeah. is his alter ego. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The other way around. But yeah, it works out either way. No, it's perfect. You know, uh, we did introduce Carlos to the guest. So if you're listening to this, I'm sorry. Watch yeah. him tomorrow night. <laughs> Watch um, him tomorrow. 
and then he'll come on this, I'm sure, next time. Yeah, we'll make yeah. it happen. He's just very tunnel vision and focused at the moment. I figured. Yeah, that yeah. It was wishful yeah. thinking when I was texting yeah. with Jeff. I'm like, I didn't expect that. I was just expecting you for the yeah. past 48 hours. But Damn hey. Jeff. Uh, blame it on Jeff. Always. He dropped yeah. the berries and embedded as well. So. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it was? <laughs> it was. A, a little inside stuff. Episode 40 of the Schmozone podcast. We are out. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader, like that car riding right your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.